Well, it is good to be here in this 930 service. I love to come and preach here. And we've been in this series called, you see all the physical uh, equipment around us. We've been in this series called Get Fit. And, you know, it's funny, every conversation, or not every conversation, but most conversations that I've been in at this new year, somewhere along the line it'll be, you know, I've really got to get back into shape. I've got to get back to the gym or I've got to carve that junk food out of my life. It seems like we tend to just focus in on our physical health at the beginning of a new year. And so I've been asking a question, if it's important for us to be physically fit, how more important for us is it to be spiritually fit? How much more important is it for our souls to be healthy? We ask a question at the beginning of this series that has kind of guided us throughout. How is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? Now, how many of you have had that come up regularly in conversation? How is it with your soul? It's hard to talk about that, isn't it? It's hard to talk about, as the psalmist says, all that is within me. It's hard to identify what's going on, but it's necessary because if you don't identify where you're at, then how do you go forward in the direction that you need to be? You have to have a starting point, right? And that second week we talked about that discipline that it takes in order to get on that training path. You have to carve the junk out so that you can be filled with the holy, that you can be filled with the healthy stuff for your soul. Just like with our physical selves, we have to carve out the junk in order to get fit physically. When I started on this path of weight loss a couple of years ago, the first thing I did was go in and throw out everything in the pantry that was not on the diet. Can you imagine? I had trash bags full of stuff, and I couldn't, in my mind, come to um, a real you know, an okay place about throwing it all away, so I bagged it up for Holly Joe. I thought her metabolism could handle it. (laughs) And so I carved it all out of the pantry, and I'll never forget the night that Joe came home from work that day. He opened the pantry, and he said, where'd all the food go? (laughs) We have to carve the stuff out for our souls, too. We have to fill it with the healthy. Our souls need some tendon. We have to ask ourselves, what? What might my soul need to be restored? Ask yourself that question. What might my soul need to be restored? The psalmist says, be still and what? Know that I am God. Say that with me. Be still and know that I am God. Jesus said this, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Jesus taught us through example If you read through the scriptures, you will see that right before a great miracle or right after a great miracle, that Jesus went away to a solitary place. 
He went away to be quiet, to be still, away from the crowds. Sometimes it will say he went away from the crowds to a place of quiet. He went away to a place of solitude by boat. He carves himself away to spend some time with God because our souls need restoring. They need that, and he gives us that example of being with God in that way. Now, last week in the traditional services, I told everybody to go home and take a nap. You would have, you, I cannot even describe to you the smiles that went across everybody's face. And when they were leaving the, the church building, they were like, Pastor, I'm going to go home and take your advice. Pastor, I love it that you told us to go home and take a nap. I'm going to do that very thing. You see, rest restores us in ways that none other thing can do. Now, I took my own advice. I did not take a nap that day, but I even took it a little bit further. I went away for three days for a retreat. Three days to be by myself, be quiet, be still to listen for God, and... I can tell you that I came back in, with a new kind of energy, a new, new spirit in my soul. You know, physically, rest does something for us. Physically, rest boosts our immune system. Okay, so this is the worst flu season that's hit in I don't know how long, right? We've heard deaths of children, of elderly, hospitalizations of the flu. Does that tell you something about our society? That we're working ourselves to death. Okay, so rest builds the immune system. It de detoxifies the body. It regenerates the body, muscle, and skin. Ladies, rest can do for you more than any high-dollar facial ever could right? Because you feel that, that restorative energy, that restorative touch. It re rest repairs blood cells and brain cells. What do you tell your kids when they're getting ready for a big test? You tell them what? Get a good night's sleep, right? Get a good night's sleep because it restores those brain cells and those blood cells to make us healthier. Now take all of this physical and say, okay, if it does all of that for me physically, then what will it do for me spiritually? How can this restore me? How can it restore my soul? It makes space for God. It cuts out the noise. It allows you to rest in God's arms, to, to feel that peace, to feel that love to rest and to be quiet and to be still, you can all of a sudden have a conversation with God that maybe you couldn't before. So our souls need that as well. Rest is both good for us physically and spiritually. We need to tend to those things. Checks and balances are good, right, church? Checks and balances are good for our soul as well. Sometimes you can step back and you can say, I needed that. I needed to be with that. I needed to do that for myself. And then there are some times in our lives where we need people to tell us to do it. Have you ever had someone who've looked at you and said, you look tired? <laughs> okay, can I get a witness anywhere here? Anybody ever said, okay, you look tired? The first thing that goes through my mind is, what? My 
makeup's not on right, my mascara's maybe smeared, something's going on here. But they can see in you a tired through the eyes. They can the, wind, the eyes are the window to the soul, church. They're the window to the soul. And so they can look in you and they can, they can see that you're tired. Not everybody comes up to you and says you're tired, right? That takes a special kind of person, right? Not everybody will just walk right up to somebody and say, man, you look bad. <laughs> but those people who do that know you. They're a special kind of friend. They are your confidant, someone who knows you inside and out. You have friends like that, right? You know you have friends in your life that can, that can um, tell what's going on inside of you just by hearing your voice, just by taking a look at you. They know what's happening and that you need something. Those are the friends that are trying to tend to your soul. And we need friends like that. And you might ask yourself a question, do I have friends in my life that will do that? Do I, are my friends in this mutual kind of relationship where it's not all one-sided? Am I feeling fed by them or am I feeling drained by them? Those kinds of confidants we need in our lives. We need to have somebody tell us that we need to tend to our soul. Now, God gave us that pattern of goodness. God created, 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 and it was what, church? Good. God created humanity, and it was very good. But do you remember what God said was not good? For man to be alone. Let's pull that verse up. Then the Lord said, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as a partner, a helpmate. This is found in Genesis 2, verse 18. Now, if we look at this scripture outside of the context of marriage, we know that God sends us partners, partners in faith, partners in love, partners in relationship. God sends to us people to help us be better together because God said that it was not good for us to be alone. God placed us in community. We need those partners in our lives. God did not want us to be alone. Hebrews addresses this. We're going to turn to Hebrews in our minds now. Uh, this is actually chapter 10, verses 22 through 24. We're going to start with 23. The writer tells us that there is no room in our lives for this go-it-alone spirituality. There's no room for that that we have to be in this together. So let's go to verse 23. Let's hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering because the one who made the promises is reliable. Who's the one? Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who's made us promises. We're to hold on to that hope, that confession as Jesus Christ as Lord, and we are not to waver. But we can only do this by being together. We are the family of God. We are Christ's community. We are his people. And so we are blessed by that sacrifice, by that love and that hope. And we hold on to that promise, church. Amen? We hold on to that. And so there are three ways that the writer tells us that we're to do that. We are to consider each other carefully. 
we are to not stop meeting together and we're to encourage each other. So let's take that first one. Consider each other carefully. In other words, we're to be intentional with our friends, with our partners in life, with our confidants. We're to be intentional in this community of faith. Have you been, ever been kind of just going about your day, driving along, maybe doing something else, and someone pops into your mind? Someone that maybe you haven't thought of in a long time, or, or that person just kind of is on your heart all of a sudden, and you think, man, I wonder about such and such. I haven't heard their voice in a while, or I haven't seen them for a while. People who follow Christ will take that nudge of the Holy Spirit, and they will go one step further. They will pick up the phone. They'll pick up the phone, and they'll say, hey, I was thinking about you. I just wanted to talk to you. So, you know, you know from hearing a voice, for those people who know you inside and out, that mutual relationship, you know by hearing the voice if something's out of step, right? You can hear it in their voice, and if you even go one step further and you look at them in the eyes, then you know something is going on, that the Holy Spirit was nudging you for some reason. And if there is nothing wrong, maybe there's something wrong here that they need to say to you, right? That mutual relationship, that, that mutual relationship that sparks love and good deeds. It says, let us consider each other carefully for the purpose of sparking Love and good deeds. There's a Jewish uh, rabbi named Abraham Joshua Heschel who once wrote this. He said, when I was younger, I used to admire intelligent people. Now that I'm older, I admire kind people. <laughs> There's some wisdom in that, right, church? I used to admire intelligent people, but now I admire kind people. Why do you think he said that? Because kindness is contagious. Kindness is the kind of thing that Jesus taught us. He taught us love. He taught us kindness, grace, compassion. And we know that we love because why? He first loved us. First John tells us that. We love because he first loved us. He showed us the example of that kindness and love. He showed us that we're to reach out with that kind of love in our lives. Um, Michael J. Gleb has written a book entitled How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. And in this book, he tells us a little bit about why the Last Supper has some of the images in it. Now, when I read this, I had never read this before. But if we look at this picture, this famous picture of the Last Supper, there are, everything on the table is in circles. The plates are round. The bread is round. The chalices are round. Everything is in circles. And now, from this we cannot grasp how the, the painting was meant to show kind of a, a, an arching outward. That would have been the way that the disciples would have sat in a, in a table that was kind of curved around. And he says there is a reason for this image. He writes, like a stone tossed into a still pond of eternity, Leonardo conveys Christ's influence, influence rippling out to change human destiny forever. 
In other words, our lives, Christ's life in us, ripples out. It's like that rippling out as you throw a stone into a pond. Our lives touch the lives of others. And so in Christ, in love and in hope, we're to share that with those around us. So we're to consider each other carefully for the purpose of sparking love and good deeds. The second thing he tells us is don't stop meeting together with believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. Did he write this in 2017, 18? Okay, don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. And number three, instead encourage each other especially as you see the day drawing near. We're to not stop meeting together. We're to come together in worship and praise and thanksgiving and prayer, reading the Holy Scriptures, and we're to encourage each other. Now, if I go back to our get fit kind of theme that we're doing, why do people join a gym or a yoga class or a health class? Why do people do that? Why don't they just exercise at home on their treadmill or exercise at home on the bike that's getting dusty in our house? Why, why don't we just exercise at home? Because we want to encourage each other, right? We, there's some reasons why we want, we want to motivate each other. We need structure. We need accountability, right, church? Are we going to stick with it? Are we going to stick on the path? Maybe for fun and human contact, to be in community with someone else, to maybe have human contact. Is that why we join a class? Sounds like church to me, or at least the way church should be, right? To be together, to encourage each other, because we are better together. My daughter teaches Pure Bar. Has anybody heard it about it before? Pure Bar, bar, is a, bar goes around the room. You're a health instructor too. Bar goes around the room, and, um, and so the classes come together. They use that bar for the core exercises within. Now, when she started this, she just was an avid Pure Bar goer. She loved it. She fell in love with the community, being with the girls in, in exercise together, the encouragement that she found. And then she really developed a strong relationship with the instructors. And then one day she came home to Joe and I and she said, um, I think I'm going to be a pure bar instructor. Okay? What does that mean? And so she started telling us that she was going to start teaching these classes. And, and um, over time, she's become one of the top-level Pure Bar teachers um, that they have. And I saw a post yesterday that said, join Holly's class. She's always full of energy and fun. And I thought, honey, she's always been that way. <laughs> and, but she has found this community there that, you know, she just loves. She's actually, some of the clients that come in, she's sat for their house while they're, they're away. She's talked about what's going on in their lives, and they've shared some of those things. She's prayed for them. She has um, encouraged them along the way. She'll come home and sometimes tell me um, something really hard that's going on with one of the people that she's in community with there. That's important. And she's carried that faith that she has into that. 
And that's why we're to be together, church. We're to encourage each other. We're to spur on hope and love with one another because it's important to be in that relationship. It's important for you to be here. You don't come to church just to get fed. You also come to encourage others. That relationship. People miss you when you're not here. It's important to have those relationships in our lives by that, that know what's going on in our families, in, in our homes, in, in our workplaces. It's important to have those relationships with each other founded in Christ's love. Founded in this way that we need people in our lives that will help us tend to our soul. Pray with each other and for each other. To open the scriptures and study together. To serve God together. To rest. To be in relationship. To offer a word that you care. Those kinds of relationships in our lives are so, so important. You know, that, that mutual relationship of being with the community of faith, but we can't stop there. We can't stop with just within our walls. We can't just tend to the ones who believe just like we do or, or um, who come to worship with us. We have to take that further. Remember that stone that's dropped into the water as it ripples out. We have to touch the lives who don't know God's love and God's hope and God's grace. People are searching. They are. There's a hole inside of them that they cannot fill, and they're wondering, how do you fill that hole? You and many of you have friends who are doing that very thing. And you know it because you are their friend. You know them inside and out. And you can share with them the love that you found in Christ. You can share with them that rest and that peace that you feel when you're in Christ's arms. You can share the joy that you feel, that you have, that Christ has filled you with an unexplainable joy, right? And you can share with them how it's changed your life and invite them to that same kind of relationship. So last week I told them all to go take a nap. I'll tell you all, go take a nap today. Go take a nap today. But the prescription this week is I want you to, this may be a little bit uncomfortable. You have to go with me on this, okay? I want you to look at the people around you and I want you to look at them in their eyes and you, I want you to say something like, whatever the Holy Spirit nudges you to say, something like, I care about that you're here. Um, I care that you're in worship today. I'm glad that you're here. Turn to the people around you and let the Holy Spirit guide you.
invite the band to come on back up after you've been encouraged. I see some stretching and some ah. Oh. God has placed us in this beautiful community. And I give God thanks that you're here. I'm glad that you're here. This community means so much to me. And my prayer for you is that you will continue to lean in to each other. And that we'll always that we will continue to be together in God. Amen.